Edwards, right side. Yes! Touchdown! And a dagger! Looks, he hits, throws the right yes! side. Yes! Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Today in Town Packers podcast. My name is Griffin. You can follow me on Instagram at AllDayPackers, and I'm joined by my good friend, Braun, who you can follow on Instagram at Lambo.Leapers. And we are coming back to you with another podcast, our first of the offseason, unfortunately. Braun, how have you been these last couple weeks? Things have been good, Griff. Obviously, there's a lot to discuss. The season's over. Uh, a lot uh, exciting things ahead, but a lot of things in between that we have to kind of see where these pieces fall into place, and and proceed from there. Yeah, if we were to rewind to two weeks ago when the Packers lost to the San Francisco 49ers on Saturday night in the playoffs by three points, 24-21, to 21. what a heartbreaking game. But I have to say, am I crazy for saying that this was probably the best playoff loss that the Packers have had, and since, certainly since I've started watching football? There's never been a season for me that ended the way that this one did, which just... You know, a little bit of sadness, a little bit of definite disappointment based on how that game went, how close it was, the run that the Packers had been on going into that game. But there was just so much, there's so much hope right now. And this entire team is very, very young with lots of room to grow. Yeah, that's the thing. I think this team is so much different from the groups that we've had with Aaron at the helm in years past where we were losing key players every year due to age or free agency situations and just the uncertainty of Aaron obviously with his age growing and Jordan being you know behind him so those seasons where we would lose were extremely extremely tough to swallow just because you never knew if that was going to be it for Aaron or our last chance to get at uh, get, get back to the playoffs and and have a chance to win a Super Bowl but now when you talk about what we just went through with this team and Jordan and the 49ers game, it's a lot different because we know that we have Jordan for years to come. We know that we have Jaden Reed, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, many of our offensive players, all these young tight ends that we have. The defensive guys are mostly coming back. We're not losing a bunch of key players like we have in many years past. This team is going to stay mostly intact. So and in addition to talking about just the fact that, like I said, Jordan's going to be here. We expect to be competing for championships for a while. And this was the first season with Jordan starting. And a lot of people and their expectations were definitely exceeded. So this team made a lot of waves, went farther than most people thought. And it just gives you hope about what's to come. So although it ended in sadness, like most of the last several years, in fact, all the last several years since 2011, <laughs> yeah. uh, it did end with some hope at the end of the, at the, end of the tunnel. And I think that's just because of the team staying intact and our future being so bright. I think the most um, the most surprising thing since the season ended for me has been, like, we've been doing this a long time, right, Bron? What we do on Instagram. And usually after the Packers lose in the playoffs, inevitably, we, at least I, lose a bunch of followers. My likes, my engagement goes down because the season's over. People are upset. You got the bandwagon people who hopped on for the playoff run. They drop off. We have not seen that same sort of reaction from the Instagram Packers fan base this offseason. At least for me, one of my most liked posts of the entire season came the day after the Packers playoff loss. 
and we've still been gaining followers. People are still excited and engaged with this team. I feel like when we had Rodgers on the team as the quarterback, we weren't really gaining a lot of non-Packer fans, you know, not just on Instagram. I feel like there weren't a lot of people hopping on the bandwagon, you know, like young, younger people or people who just start watching the NFL, they pick a team, they jump on a bandwagon. I feel like people were less likely to jump on the Packers bandwagon when we had Rodgers at quarterback, just because he's an older guy and he's already accomplished a lot in the NFL. Compared to Jordan Love, I think the young nature of this team, especially the quarterback with so much room to grow, I think that excites people and I think that brings more people onto our bandwagon here. There's a sense of newness. There's an, It's a completely new era in Green Bay and it's a chance for people that are looking for a team. A lot, Like you said, a lot of the young, young kids really that are just starting to watch football for the first time or anybody just looking to get into the game. A guy like Jordan Love, who's humble, who's quiet, kind of a silent assassin, because he just dominated the league for the last half of the year, and he's a very humble, quiet guy, at least we've seen so far. And Aaron kind of started that way, too, in a lot of ways when he when he got into the league, and then obviously his, his personality showed over the course of his later years, and I hope the same thing happens with Jordan. We get to see more of him and, and what he is like off the field as, as we kind of go with him, but... It's just been a great start for him because he's doing everything the right way. His teammates love him, and he loves his teammates. He loves this city and this team uh, and the organization. And everything's been really a great, perfect marriage so far. And it's so young and new and fresh that a lot of the people looking to to find NFL teams, it's hard not to pick Green Bay. I mean, we've got the most unique organization the most unique situation, fan base, and now we've got another elite quarterback that's very easy to root for with a really cool name as well. So it's a lot of these uh, <laughs> you know, these things that are easy to just go and be like, oh, I want to be a fan of that team. And we welcome right. you with open arms, any new new people that want to be Packers fans. Who doesn't want a Jordan Love jersey? Love on the back. <laughs> like, It's a great name. If you're a longtime listener, you probably know, I often talk about how great the Packers' names are. Right, Braun? You love when I bring this up. We've got a lot of great names. Darnell Savage, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, if you want to go throwback. No, but uh, yeah, I agree with what you said about Jordan. And also the turnaround. You know, he's kind of the underdog because second half of the season, I would say really about week 10 is when he turned it on against the Steelers. And um, ever since then, man, he just found his confidence, turned into a different guy. And it looks like he's going to get a big money extension. That was pretty much all but confirmed by Brian Gutekunst last week at his annual postseason press conference he said that the two sides are going to be uh engaging in contract talks soon um if where he's at right now braun are you ready to give him a franchise quarterback type of deal i don't think i'd rush into anything because i would love to see him play a little more i just i really wish we could wait until we get into the middle of the season to do it because you just want to see it a little bit more not that i don't trust that he's going to be good but it makes it easier on you to wait just a little bit and, and kind of like see him in week four or week five and he's still playing really well because this is a big commitment and the Packers are never rash with decision making. So I'm not sure if they're going to get anything done. Maybe before training camp, you know, they'll probably want to see him play well at some point and whether that's through training camp or, you know, just in the off season to see him continue to play well. I think that's going to be the key. And for me, you know, if I was going to make that kind of decision, I'd want to just make sure that it's the right one. And the best way to do that is to watch him play. And if he plays at a high level, it makes it all easier. 
it's really a tough spot to be in because we've seen teams go all in on their young quarterback a little bit too early and you kind of watch it backfire with Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. Same draft year, both those quarterbacks got big extensions after uh, some promising young seasons and then um, ended up being traded. Um, so you don't want to see that happen with Jordan Love. But then the other side of that is if you wait too deep into training camp, too deep into preseason, too deep into the season, and you don't get a deal done, his price is only going up. And you could, like right now, I think we could get away with giving him low top five quarterback money, maybe even outside of that if they structure it the right way. Um, if we wait any longer, I think that price is only going to go way up, especially if he continues playing how he's played. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's it's tough to say, you know, he played like a really top elite quarterback, so I th- I think there's going to be some kind of projection involved from the from the Love camp. Regardless, I think they're going to treat him as if he's going to play like a top quarterback. So then you look at the way the Packers are going to see things, and uh, it's going to be a similar idea f- from the opposite standpoint. Well, we haven't seen it yet, and that's where I think it makes sense for both sides to kind of wait and then see where the chips fall. If he if he can if he continues to play really well, then the Packers probably won't have a problem paying him what he's worth. Um it's it's just a it's a weird situation because Jordan is not gonna leave the Packers by any means because he's building something here and otherwise he'd have to start completely over after his first season, which he played really well towards the end and they made the playoffs. I mean, if he he's not going to play next year in Green Bay and then for some reason they don't come to a deal and leave. I mean, they're going to make something work at some point. So it's it's just it's about the numbers, and I really don't care about the numbers at this point for him because he's our quarterback for now and the future. So it's it's all about those those minor details, and it's going to get done. And I don't you know not not currently my job to think about that. So. <laughs> Yeah, the deal's certainly going to get done, so um, the question really is how much is he going to get paid, and I would be surprised if he doesn't get paid top five quarterback money. It just looks like that's the way it's going, and it's well-deserved after the back half of the season that he had. It's worth bringing up that in 2008, the Packers extended Aaron Rodgers, who was in a very similar situation to what Jordan played through this season. And they extended Aaron halfway through the year. He had a really strong start to the season in his first season as the starter. And the Packers wasted no time signing him after week seven, I think, to a long-term extension. Obviously, Jordan didn't quite have that hot start that uh, Aaron may have back in 2008. So the Packers, they waited. They let the whole season play out. And here we are. He's going to get that extension. And that will uh, pretty much confirm that he is here to stay for the foreseeable future, at least. It's often talked about, but it's really unbelievable that the Packers, it looks like they've gotten away with this again, you know, drafting quarterback, letting him sit, letting him develop, putting him in when your veteran's ready to move on when he wants to go to the Jets. That's just, it's worked twice in a row. I mean, it's, it's really absurd that this keeps happening and the Packers are the only team that really operate like this. They're the only team who drafts these young quarterbacks in the first round and lets them sit, lets them learn, lets them develop. And especially in the case of Jordan Love, I think that went a long way. And now the Packers and Brian Gutekunst and all the people uh, for the past four years who have been uh, uh, on the other side of the aisle from us, I suppose, um, they get to take their victory laps. And as a Packers fan, I can't be too upset because Jordan... Certainly, certainly uh, turned everything around as the season went on, and that was great to see. Griff, let's talk about the fact that we actually hired 
a new defensive coordinator and relieved Joseph Barry of his duties. We hired Jeff Halfley, the former Boston College head coach, and now we have a new guy who sounds a lot like Matt LaFleur and is, is a very young and experienced coach at the same time, but he's been pinned as an aggressive man coverage type coach that a lot of Packers fans have been wanting to see that sort of scheme with one high safety, maybe even a 4-3 we're talking about at this point. So a complete switch potentially from a schematic standpoint. But um, there's a lot of things that people are saying about Jeff Halfley, and one of those things is that he's adaptable uh, to the players that he has. So I think this is going to be a collaborative effort from Brian, Matt, Jeff, and the players as well to try to find whatever fits best for the current group. Because like we said, a lot of them are not going anywhere, and it's going to be a lot of returning players, and the Packers have a ton of talent on that side of the ball. So very interesting stuff. There's No one really knows exactly what to expect, but all we know is that it's exciting, truly, to have a lot of promise going into 2024 with this side of the ball that has been just dreadful from a really a wide-looking standpoint. It has cost us many, many chances to win Super Bowls. So this could finally be a chance to change things up and get things moving in the right direction on defense. I mean, Braun, I really, I couldn't believe it that they fired Joe Barry. Matt LaFleur fired Joe Barry. Something that we joked about possibly never happening. (laughs) Something that we've been calling for for about, not just us, everyone has been calling for the firing of Joe Barry for about two seasons now, two years now. And uh, after last year, we thought it was going to happen, and Matt didn't do it. I thought that after the way that the defense played against the 49ers, um, I thought that Matt would probably keep him on board just because knowing Matt LaFleur. But he didn't. He fired him and went and got a guy who was really, it seems like, a polar opposite from Joe Barry. You know, Braun, we've often joked about how have you ever heard one Joe Barry quote? Like, is he really inspiring players? Um, and, you know, maybe that's reading too much into some things. But Jeff Halfley, from the looks of it, I've seen a couple interviews with this guy. He looks like he's bringing the energy. A lot younger than Joe. I feel like he's going to have a better time relating to the players and working with Matt LaFleur because, I mean, as you pointed out, Bron, he kind of looks like Matt's... Uh, <laughs> he kind of looks like Matt... What did you say, Matt? Kyle Shanahan. Kind of looks like some kind of combination of Matt LaFleur, Sean McVay, and Kyle Shanahan all at once. Yeah, a little bit. And I think he's going to work really well with Matt. And there were reports that they knew each other, but there's other reports that they don't know each other. I don't think th- I don't think they're friends. I don't think they're close friends, although uh, the reports may vary on that one. But I think they're going to collaborate well. And from a schematic point standpoint, it really is polar opposites because you have Joe Barry who comes from the Vic Fangio uh, coaching tree. Not directly Vic Fangio, but that's the that's the scheme he runs. And that defense is predicated on pretty much keeping everything in front of you. A lot of too high. Uh, this is why we saw all the off coverage that everyone always complains about with Joe Barry. It's because really the philosophy there is that you're trying to prevent the explosive play more than anything. You'll give up five, six yards on the ground per carry if it means that you're not giving up any deep shots. It's not an insane philosophy, but we saw time and time again over the past three seasons with Joe Barry, that just coming back to bite the Packers. And it's like they're they're giving up these five, six-yard chunk plays on the ground and in the short passing game, and then they give up the deep post anyway, you know? It's like, 
it's this defense with Joe Barry has never been bottom of the barrel. Like there's no statistic that paints them to be the worst defense in the league. It just always feels like something's not right. When you watch the Packers defense, especially the all 22 and you see the communication, you see the safeties, it just doesn't look like how sound defenses look. It just looks different. Poorly coached. Who's to say? But I'm excited about Jeff Halfley because he's much more aggressive, much more man coverage, much less too high. A lot of blitzing he likes to do. It's He's really more similar to Mike Pettin, I think, from a schematic standpoint than um, Joe Barry. And now, again, this comes back to Matt LaFleur. He made the hire, right? We assume this was his pick. This was his guy, just like Joe Barry was in 2021. This is now his third defensive coordinator that he's had during his tenure as head coach of the Packers. When he was hired in 2019, Mike Pettin was retained from Mike McCarthy's coaching staff as defensive coordinator. He got ran out of town by the fan base. Everyone hated him. He hires Joe Barry. Same thing happens to Joe. And now we're at Jeff Halfley. I mean, there's a lot of pressure on Matt, right? There's a lot of pressure on him to, you you can't be wrong a third time. Yeah, and certainly, I mean, when you look at some of his other coordinator hirings, it started with Sean Menenga, who flamed out after a year, and then it started with Mo Drayton. I haven't even thought about Sean Menenga in a very long time. Right, and that was a rough one, and then you went to uh, Mo Drayton after that, and that flamed Mm. out, just the same quickness. Um, And Rich Bisaccia, better. Still our fair share of issues that we see in every single meaningful game. Um, but then you look at off the offensive side of the ball, it's hard to, to judge it, but Nathaniel Hackett was the big one at offensive coordinator, and he went on and had a rough, rough stint as head coach. But, you know, he's definitely been a, a decent offensive coordinator. He was in Green Bay, at least. He was a very good offensive coordinator. And Adam Stenovich, who's there now, it's hard to evaluate the job he's done just because a lot of the stuff offensively falls on Matt's shoulders anyway. Yeah, at the end of the day, he's had a lot of bad hirings from the coordinator standpoint. I mean, he, the, the hirings he's making are are poor most of the time. So this is a big one because some of the biggest job that a head coach has is the guys that he's employing to coach for, for this team when he's doing a lot of other things that are more big picture. So... You know, Matt leads us, Matt leads this team, but the coaches that he's put in place over the years have not done a good enough job, and this is as high pressure as it gets, because if this one doesn't go well, how can you trust him to hire anybody else after you've got <laughs> I know, that's what I'm so saying, many man. failed like, hirings? Like, so, what happens if this flames out and is a total disaster? I don't know what the, what the plan would be at that point. If the Packers' but, defense is somehow worse next year, or it doesn't improve, and, you know, it's just, you can't... That's a pivotal point. I think that could be a pivotal point. Um, so, and that has nothing to do with how the offense performs. You know, that's that's really not. It's not too related to like Matt's daily, uh, daily operation. It's really more so the big picture stuff. And if he can't handle this and this doesn't work out, it's hard to justify keeping him as the guy who would make some some kind of hires like this that are so important to the football team. So. Very, very big hire, obviously, getting Jeff Halfley. He's going to be the guy, at least for this year. And uh, no telling what's to come, but you can only be excited because in a lot of ways, it's hard to get much worse in some areas with the way that things have unfolded over the course of the last several years, especially as we get farther into the uh, into the months of the season. So 
it, it hopefully it works out. I mean, it's just hard to judge right now, but all we can be is excited about the fact that change is coming, and we certainly needed that. Yeah, and just like Joe Barry, Halfley does not have a lot of excuses considering the amount of investment that has gone into that side of the ball and will probably continue to go into that side of the ball this offseason because the Packers have not many holes on offense. There's there's not a lot of starting spots up for grabs on the offensive side of the ball, but there's a few holes on the defensive side, and that's what we're going to talk about here. Our, our free agents for this upcoming uh, this upcoming spring Darnell Savage, Jonathan Owens, Rudy Ford are three safeties who sell the most snaps this season. They're all free agents. Now, Bron, just to start out, what do you do at that position? Do you move on from all three? Do you keep all three? Well, I think the reality is is that we were not good enough at the safety spots for the majority of the season. It's tough. I mean, I like Rudy Ford a lot. We interviewed him on this show. I like Jonathan Owens a lot because he seems to make some big plays at big moments. Um, and, and also, obviously, Darnell, he's been here for a while. He's got such raw talent. And I think if used properly, could be a really, really good football player. And of those three guys, I think I'd want to see Darnell back the most. Um, but it's hard to argue bringing all those guys back Maybe you can. Maybe it, maybe you can bring them all back. It might make sense to do that and then draft a rookie in round one. That, you know, maybe that's a good idea. It gives them flexibility and it gives them a chance to get the best play out there, especially if they're going to be using less, uh, less two safety looks, which it sounds like they're going to do with Jeff Halfley. So I think, and Darnell, he's the type of guy that we feel like can roam sideline to sideline with the speed he has. And he was in position to make a second pick six, but he had a great one against Dallas. He was in position to make that one against San Francisco. So he's play, he's been playing well mostly. And I think towards the back half of the season when he started getting healthier, it was it was pretty pretty good football that he was playing. Rudy had a really strong year from a statistical standpoint in terms of uh, his pass completion percentage allowed and, and his passer rating allowed. Those numbers were very good. Um and then, obviously, like we said, Jonathan Owens, he's got a lot of big playability that he flashed. And he's not the perfect football player. He's not the world's greatest tackler. But he made plays, and he came up when it mattered most. So it's really hard to just want to throw any of those guys away. I think if you can get them all back at decent value, I would say you absolutely do that. I agree. That's what I was about to say. If they all want to come back for cheap, you know? I have no problem with them as depth players. The problem is that none of them are starting quality players, I don't think. We saw Jonathan Owens get more uh, playing time than Rudy uh, as the season went on. I always kind of disagreed with that. I always kind of preferred Rudy. Maybe I'm biased because he's been on our show, but I'm not a big Jonathan Owens guy. Now, you got to consider his wife. His wife is a little valuable, right? Simone, for the brand, for the G. She's our Taylor Swift, really. She's She's our our Midwest Taylor Taylor Swift. Swift. So, but and, and another thing I would say is, if you're gonna bring back Darnell, I wouldn't pay him more than like seven and a half million dollars on a one-year deal. I would I, not give him that. I think that's and, a good number to give him seven and a half million. I know he's got void years already, so I don't know. But they've got some money to play with. I feel like, and you know, it's not like they have to bring back a bunch of guys. He just makes sense. I don't know. Maybe he'll take less than that. Maybe they can get him for less. I just feel like anything more than like four million he's he can probably get on almost any football team Jonathan Owens different story he could probably come back at a much cheaper rate near the minimum even I, I don't know if maybe maybe like two million dollars something like that we got him for a minimum deal 
Um, yeah, Darnell is more valuable because he is he's way more athletic than any of the other two. Well, Jonathan yeah, Owens and Rudy are both like are in front of him. I think Darnell has the potential to still oh, become a good player. I think that is not a good take. I am I'm done with Darnell. I, I'm okay, fine fair. with him being a depth piece, but I'm done with him starting. I think I think whatever he's done in the NFL has probably already been done. You don't think that he with with a different scheme has a chance to improve? I don't think he can tackle or cover. So <laughs> Well those are two pretty big parts of that role, so maybe not. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well Yeah, I just I mean, I I've seen him throw himself at the ground. A, yeah, a few his too tackling many times. hasn't been the best, that's for sure. Um, yeah. I just I just like his ability to be rangy from sideline to sideline and do some things in the middle of the field. Yeah, but, I've I mean that's the reason they traded up to draft him in twenty nineteen, because you look, love the saying, athleticism. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying that he can be your only guy and you can be confident in that. I just think it makes sense to bring him back and also have a rookie in the mix. That way you can at least maximize the potential to play well with that position. So that's that's my thoughts. But the problem is, Griff, is that Rudy Ford's not going to be better than Darnell, and I don't think Jonathan Owens is going to be better than Darnell. So he's your best option that you can retain. Makes sense. I don't know if they're going to go out and pay somebody else in free agency. If you want to bring in a rookie, then... I think it makes sense to keep Darnell, and otherwise they're going to have to bring in a veteran as well. They can't just start a rookie and, and be hopeful that he plays really well. It's just, you know, difficult to, to spot Green Bay's in because they may not go round one safety. Yeah, right. They could go corner because perhaps the Packers' most important upcoming free agent is Keyshawn Nixon, the Packers' uh, starting nickel corner this past season. Obviously, back-to-back all-pro kick returner. We know what he brings in that department. But as a corner... He was a starter this season. I don't think he's a preferred starter. I don't think any football team really wants him playing the nickel role as a starter. Do you disagree, Bron? You've always loved his coverage. I think he's quite good. I don't hate what he does. I'm not saying he's like a an all-pro nickel corner, but I think he's valuable on defense. Because I don't think you want plays. him on the field starting, though. That's fair. I'm not saying he needs to start. I just think that he's a valuable player because he's a playmaker with a lot of experience and the mentality that you want at a corner and obviously what he does in the kick return game I'm not saying he needs to start especially with like when you have Stokes and CV and at the time when we had Rasul and obviously Jair you know he's just like you got you you mix him in because he's a when he's like fresh off the sideline he I mean we've seen him make big plays he picked off Patrick Mahomes on a, on a drive that sealed that game in a way He's got a lot of playmaking that you just love. He truly is like a dog, as we all say. Uh, he's got that like mentality as the corner uh, where you just think he can pretty much, for one play, two plays, lock up a lot of these slot guys. I like what he does. He's physical. He can tackle really well. Big hitter. He does a lot of things really well. So uh, He's always around the ball, very similar to Rasul. So I, I I like what he does for us, and I would I would bring him back at a premium rate. Yeah, I I like him too. I just like I said, I don't want him starting. I think the Packers should try to upgrade there. They probably will either in free agency or perhaps the first round of the draft if they don't go safety. We'll see. We got a lot to talk about here. I mean, that's not even scratching the surface of the Packers' uh, upcoming free agents and positions of need and everything. We're gonna get into that as the off season comes along here. But that's going to do it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. It's good to be back, man. It's good to be back. It's upsetting the way the season ended, but like I said, man, it's probably the best playoff loss we've had in a long time, right? Well, there's just so much to be excited about, so much uh, that the future holds, and it feels like things are going to be 
coming up green and gold for us. So I really do like the way that we're looking, and I like the fact that we've got all these picks to work with, these young guys that are going to be sticking around, and of course that number 10, Jordan Love, who's going to be leading us each and every season moving forward. So not a hard transition um, when a little bit of uncertainty came about. We're right back in the thick of it in the playoff purposes, and now we're trying to build a Super Bowl contender for years to come. So these are things that should excite every Packers fan, um, not disappoint them. So uh, I'm excited for everything that's coming. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back soon. Go Pack Go. Thank you for listening, everybody. As always, Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.